Hello, I'm Stephen Dooley. I'm a partner in Womble Bond Dickinson's Dispute team, and one of the areas I focus on are financial institutions. Hi, I'm Rashmita, and I'm a solicitor with the Commercial Disputes and Regulatory team at Womble Bond Dickinson. Um, and welcome to our episode one on ABB fraud. Let's start with why we are here. The level of fraud in the UK has reached concerning heights. And so we'll be doing a podcast series looking into the issue and especially looking at authorized push payment fraud, also known as ABB fraud. We'll be here to discuss its scope, growth, legal legislations, duty by the banks, and some of the important cases in this series. Without further ado, let's dive right into what this fraud actually is. Now, if you have lived in the UK for a while, I'm sure you or someone you know would have been a victim or could have been a victim to this fraud. ABP is where a payer, often an individual consumer, instructs their payment service provider to send some money from their account to another account. These payments are typically executed via clearinghouse automated payment systems or faster payment schemes limited. Let's break this down. For example, take that you get a call from an unknown number saying they are calling from your bank and that your account details have been compromised. Now, like anyone else in this situation, you start to panic. That is exactly what the fraudsters want you to do. In this state of panic, you are not thinking clearly and you do exactly what they ask you to do, given that you honestly think that they are the bank officials. They tell you that they are setting up a different account where you could transfer your whole money and it would be safe. In that panic state, you do ask you do as you are told and then bam, the money's gone to the fraudsters. Stephen, what do you think that a person should do when they receive such a call? Are there any pointers you would like to share? You're right, Rashmita. The fraudsters, of course, benefit if you're in a panic state. Instead, I'd suggest before transferring the money, firstly, take a few slow, deep breaths. Don't panic. But that's easy to say. So what's my other, what's my other advice? Secondly, I'd, I'd check the number that they're calling from, whether it's exactly the same as the number for, for the bank or whether it's one or two digits different. Thirdly, tell them that you'll call the bank directly and then follow the steps required to secure your account. And fourthly, and most importantly of all, let the bank know about the call. Not all of those steps are going to work in every situation, but they're just a few pointers to consider when dealing with such calls. APP fraud really is an unsophisticated deception, but it's really effective because of the way in which it's delivered. Fraudsters can also normally obtain access to an individual's information by hacking their email and then present themselves as a corporation with whom the hacked account owner is associated with. From there, they'll contact the victim and ask for payments to be made via bank transfers. As you mentioned, Rashmita, many will use the payment using, uh, will make the payment using real-time payment schemes, and this allows the fraudsters to walk away with the cash. One of the main concerns here is that it can be really difficult to obtain effective relief from APP fraud because the payments are authorised by you. Interesting. Stephen, what do you have to say about the growth of APP fraud? 
Well, according to UK Finance Report 2021, in total, there were nearly 196,000 cases. And of those, 189,000 related to personal accounts and over 7,000 concerned non-personal accounts. Despite the efforts of the financial services sector, criminals stole a total of over £583 million in 2021. However, additional security by banks helped prevent £1.4 billion of unauthorised fraud that year, equivalent to over 65 pence in every pound of attempted unauthorised push payment fraud uh, being stopped without a loss occurring. Now, before then, fraud committed using payment cards was the largest type of fraud, but 2021 in the first half alone saw a 71% increase in APP fraud, and for the first time, that surpassed the total sum of money stolen using payment cards. And what do the fraudsters do? Well, they use strategies such as scam phone calls, text messages and emails, as well as fake websites and social media posts. Uh, criminals sought to trick people into handing over their personal details and passwords, along with transferring huge amounts of savings to other bank accounts held in tax havens. This made tracing the money exceptionally difficult, as opposed to other transfers where money could be more easily traced and retrieved. There's been a significant increase in impersonation scams, as criminals posed as banks, government bodies and even health officials to trick people out of their money, leading increasingly to life-changing sums being lost. I agree, Stephen. I also think another area of significant concern is investment scams. This is where people are influenced to transfer or invest a significant amount of their savings with promise of false dividends or high returns only to realize that they are fictitious. However, the common thread running through all these scams is the deployment of online platforms, including fraudulent advertising through simple things like search engines, social media, and fake websites. So one really needs to be careful while clicking on unprotected websites. The level of fraud in the UK has reached concerning heights and could be considered a national security threat. The finance sector can't combat this issue alone and there needs to be a coordinated approach adopted across every sector. The government's online safety bill represents an important opportunity to ensure greater protection against financial fraud. It will need the government, regulators and other sectors to combine forces and fight against such fraud. Very true. Finally, Stephen, before we end this episode, could you share some light on the legal legislations that are being drafted to take into account this type of fraud? Yes, firstly, let's start with the contingent reimbursement model. In February 2018, PSR and FCA published a joint statement on the outcome of the consultation on the development of a contingent reimbursement model. The contingent reimbursement model for authorised push payment scams, the code, was implemented in late May 2019. The main aim of the code was to increase consumer protection standards, to reduce the occurrence of APP scams and reduce the impact of these crimes on consumers, micro-enterprises and small charities. Providers who signed up to the code were committed to three things. Firstly, ensuring greater protection for vulnerable customers and implementing varied procedures to detect, prevent and respond to APP scams. Secondly, 
to ensure greater transparency to detect and respond to accounts being used to launder the proceeds of APP scams and receipt of funds from this fraud. And thirdly, reimbursing customers who fell victim to this fraud without any contributing fault, unless the customers were grossly negligent or reckless. There's further consideration that preventing, detecting and creating awareness should be given precedence over reimbursement when it came to protecting customers at every possible stage of the payment journey for banks, non-traditional lenders and payment service providers. Secondly, the Financial Services and Markets Bill that was introduced into Parliament in July 2022, that follows on from the government's future regulatory framework review and itself creates a framework for the government to take forward various initiatives including paving the way for mandatory reimbursement for victims of APP scams. We can only wait and see what will be reflected in the final provisions of the Bill. Thank you, Stephen. This has been a very helpful insight and discussion into APP fraud, especially because its rapid increase in the rate it's growing and due to the ordinary nature of this fraud, which takes place in one's daily life. We have heard of such instances multiple times, sometimes at work, sometimes in our personal life. This led to us to start this podcast as we thought it was important we address the very basis of this fraud and how it affects people. Our next episode, we will deal with the relevant cases in relation to APB fraud. Stay tuned.